Welcome to another episode of Cybersecurity One on One with Larry and Joe. Out today, so it'll just be me. I'm so excited to have on the show Mishak Mortiz. Hey, Mishak, how are you today? Good, good. Pretty, uh, pretty productive day. How about yourself? Uh, it's it's gone really well. Um, I had a very productive day. <laughs> I'm building a ransomware defense in a day lab guide. Uh, we have an event coming up uh, for people to configure uh, ransomware protection. And uh, so it's like a full day. All right, well, cool. Well, hey, welcome to Cybersecurity 101. Um, Larry is actually sick. Um, he is not able to join us today. So he's asked me to fill in for him and um but yeah primarily as, as you know the theme of the show is really to help people uh who want to get into cybersecurity and to give larry you know advice and guidance um he's going on uh over 18 months he's been training and studying um trying to get his first cybersecurity job he's currently uh, got a job in it uh, but still looking for that you know first SOC analyst position so Microsoft System and Software Academy. Outstanding. Specifically how you got into cybersecurity, and I know your journey kind of started as you were transitioning out of the military, and you found a program, Graham, and, and you found yourself there um, really thinking that, hey, this is a very interesting field, but what was it about cybersecurity? How did you how did you really know that this is a field that you wanted to get into? Due to my environment, everybody keeps telling me to hop into cybersecurity if I'm getting out of the Marine Corps or the military. And that's where my original, um, pretty much my original idea of hopping into cybersecurity really started. Okay. And, and I want to get more into that for sure, but just curious, now that you've been in it a while, was your initial perception of cybersecurity different than what you found it to be? Yes, it is. It is. Uh, I'm kind of during my beginning stages. It's a. Uh, it's more of a kind of like assessing what cybersecurity is, and that's when I started realizing cybersecurity is such a huge field. It's like an umbrella filled with multiple branches underneath it. It's not too different from my original opinion on what cybersecurity is. Okay. Uh, tell us a little bit about, I mean, how, how big of a contrast was uh, the field of cybersecurity for you compared to what you were doing um, in the military? They're not even related whatsoever. <laughs> I'm a heavy equipment operator by trade. So pretty much I drive big tractors, right? Coming from there, um, we use technology, right? However, we don't really think about cybersecurity every time we use certain type of technology in the, uh, in the heavy equipment world. Right, right, for sure. And, and I think it's important to bring this up because I think you've proven that anyone with a desire to get into cybersecurity can make it happen. Um, you have, I've, I've met a lot of folks that have been trying to get into cybersecurity. You were successful. And I'd love to know from your perspective, what do you think, uh, knowing all the people that you've worked with in the past, what are some of the key sort of attributes 
of what it takes to be successful when you're doing a career change like what you went through? And, and is any, are any of those attributes unique to cybersecurity or do you think that's just common you know, for what it takes to, to be successful in, in that military to civilian transition like what you experienced? Um, it's more of a mindset, right? I have this mindset into where we're only allocated 86,400 seconds every single day. And it doesn't matter who I am, Bill Gates, Oprah, everybody's allocated the same time frame. So I have that mindset into where, what am I going to do with that 86,400 seconds per day? Right, so I, I always have that mindset, even um, when I was in the Marine Corps. And I pretty much applied that on cybersecurity. And it just happened that I really enjoyed it. And therefore, the time frame on studying and allocating different kind of activities for it didn't really matter. So it's more of a the enjoyment on learning what cybersecurity is and applying what I learned in order to find a job. Got it. Okay. And then what do you think you've, you can attribute out of all the stuff that you did to prepare for the cybersecurity, you know, you've done a lot, right? You had a lab, you attended MSSA, um, you did kind of some self-study looking back on it, is there anything you would have changed or done differently? Anything you would have cut out? Anything you would have focused more on? What, what do you think really, out of everything you did to prepare, you know, back in those days, what do you think, if you could give advice to someone, what do you think you would tell them? Um, I would assess. I would, I would like firstly assess on my capabilities, knowing my strength and weaknesses and then utilize that assessment for pretty much improving what my delinquency with, right? And in terms of going back in time, it's in my situation, since I do have the military, the military can pay for different kinds of certifications. So, to me, going to the certification path, getting my security plus, getting my studying for A plus, networking plus, in order to pass my security plus, and then implementing all those knowledge that I receive from security plus to job hunting. Because initially, a lot of people, when they hear cybersecurity, the very first thing that comes to their mind, even for beginners like myself, um, ethical hacking, hacking, hacking. I want to become a hacker one day. But what they fail to realize, cybersecurity is so huge and hacking portion of it is only one sector of that umbrella. Right. In, in I think for the last couple of years, um, you, you wouldn't really consider yourself, right, a hacker. Um, that, that's really not what you're paid to do. And I, and I would definitely want to get into, you know, the types of roles that you've held just so our audience can get to know you a little bit more. Um, but let's, let's rewind a little bit. Um, 
How did you actually get your very first job in cybersecurity? Like, how did that actually come about? Just so that, you know, there's a lot of people that have taken the Security Plus and they're really just struggling to, to, to land that first, you know, position. Um, what are some techniques and strategies you did to, you know, get hired? What, what advice, you know, would you give to others? So one of the first things that I learned while uh, I'm studying for Security Plus and after I received the certification itself is uh, the hacking phases, right? The very first hacking phases is reconnaissance, OSINT, passive reconnaissance. Started gathering data, gathering data, gathering data. Started going to social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and gathering data as much as I can. And um, LinkedIn is one of the top-notch database out there, especially if you're looking for a job or trying to target a specific data that you want from that specific company, right? Like, um, for example, if I want to work for Microsoft, I'm going to go into their LinkedIn page at Microsoft. I'm going to start looking in their uh, culture. I'm going to start looking at different kind of job role. Once I scope it down to the job role I want, there's going to be job descriptions in there. And then from there, I'm going to correlate all of those stuff and start studying for what they're looking for. I see. Okay. So kind of working backwards from that angle, finding that position, see what they look for, and then try to really focus on that. So you, you would recommend looking, uh, targeting a specific organization um, as opposed to kind of the, the shotgun spray uh, yes, um, yes and no, because what I did is pretty much, uh, it's kind of like enumeration, right? So pretty much I gathered, I went to LinkedIn, I gathered all the companies that's currently looking for something related to cybersecurity at LinkedIn. And at that time frame, I found this script where I can automatically send messages to targeted people, right, under those companies. So pretty much it's a hit and miss. I sent out 50 different messages to 50 different people. Uh, again, everything's automated. And then and that message in the text box is gonna, imp it's gonna input my, uh, my elevator pitch, right? And out of 50 of them per day, at least 15 to 20 of them replies back. Wow, that's pretty good uh, ratio. Do you mind sharing for, the guests or the audience, uh, if you remember, uh, what what makes a good elevator pitch on LinkedIn? Um, for elevator pitch, I use my standard elevator pitch for um, from Microsoft System Software Academy, right? I started with um, be professional at the same time, tailor the conversation into your asking for some mentorship or guidance. So the way I kind of tailored the dialogue is, hi, my name is Mishak. I'm currently transitioning out of the military. I'm a prior heavy equipment operator, so forth, so on. And I'm currently looking for different people to help me grow in the cybersecurity world. And then from there, Kind of like a hit and miss, hoping that somebody will reply back. And 
the ratio is pretty good from the people that reply back. And out of 15 of 20 of them that replies back, I managed to meet, give and take about four or five of them. That's awesome. And have you stayed in touch with those folks and um, actually developed those mentorship relationships? And the only person that I really got in contact with uh, as a mentor is you, Mr. Stalker. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been my pleasure. Um, honestly, you're definitely one of the most hard charging people I've ever met. I mean, just like, for example, whatever task it, it was, like, for example, LinkedIn, you uh, you know, researched the organizations, did your homework and, uh, you know, reached out to people just, you know, pretty much whatever it takes. Right. And, uh, I really respect that. Um, and, uh, that's why, why I really wanted to have you on this podcast is because I feel like, you know, if more people spent the type of time and effort, uh, that you put into it, I think, you know, more people would be able to get into cybersecurity. I think it is a difficult field to get into, uh, but you you proved it can be done. You you went right into it. Um, you did not go through the traditional, you know, help desk, PC support, you know, kind of IT route. Uh, your very first job was a SOC analyst, right? So a security operations center SOC analyst, and uh, th that's pretty rare. Not not many people are able to kind of pull that off. So um, tell us about that first position. What you know, what, what are some of the duties of a SOC analyst and, uh, you know, how can, how can someone really prepare for that SOC analyst role? What type of lab would you recommend uh, that they build, uh, you know, to really help with that interview to get that position? So part of the interview process, um, I'm going to go in a rabbit hole really quick with the interview, right? Um, I do have two strategy with interviews. And the first the first one um, first one is gonna be likability. Right? 50% likability, 50% technicality. And if I can manage to balance those during the interview, there's a good chance and there's a good chance for the company to give me that privilege to be working with with the team. And um, for projects, I still would recommend the project that you gave me, Mr. Stalker, creating a home sock. So upon, upon receiving my security plus, that's when, to me, during the study for security plus, it's more of a, it's kind of like I'm learning a brand new language, right? It's the lingo. And upon receiving Security Plus or after passing Security Plus, I decided um, taking your advice, making that SOC analyst or SOC, SOC home pretty much. I created the SOC in my home. And yeah, let's dive into that. What is that? What does that mean for someone who just passed Security Plus today? You know, what do they have to get set up in their home lab? Um, I started with, for myself, I have a Raspberry Pi laying, laying around. I got some old gaming laptops that I, I accumulated over the years that I haven't even touched in like forever. So I started pulling out all of my, my endpoints and started creating my own kind of like my company, let's say that way, right? And 
my main goal at that time is how can I secure this, secure all these computers, right? So I started digging into it, digging into it, utilizing uh, the guidance you gave me and the project map that you gave me. So I started implementing a DNS sinkhole, right? So I got this Raspberry Pi, started Googling, started looking for different kind of walkthroughs and how to implement the DNS sinkhole. And I came across that my very first cybersecurity project, the Pi-hole. And upon configuring it and trying to trying to make it work, it's um, it's a really good learning experience because I got no background with Linux. Um, I'm pretty, I need to YouTube, I need to Google different kind of stuff just to traverse the directory for it. But again, there's a learning opportunity for that while doing the project itself. And uh, upon setting up the DNS sinkhole, the next variable is uh, how, can I how can I connect this DNS sinkhole to all the computers I have right now? Right, so more research after research after research, and that's when I realized, oh, and that's when I realized about, oh, all of them are connected to one network, all of them are connected to one router. Maybe I can configure some stuff with the router. So now I got to dig back on my uh, networking plus courses, started checking it out, reviewing it again, checking what subnets are, so forth, so on, internal IP address versus. Um, external IP address. So pretty much bottom line is all those projects kind of like helped it out, right? So it started with a DNS sinkhole and then it turned to us connecting everything to the DNS sinkhole. And then from there created or um, deployed a seam. I'm using, I believe uh, the Splunk free version they have around that time frame, And then from there, try to configure Splunk and try to make everything get correlated to Splunk. Got but, it. Did you use any kind of host intrusion detection um, agents or anything to, to feed Splunk? Um, I'm trying to remember right now. I believe I'm using a Kiwi syslog around that time frame. Got it, Ki okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. I, I know um, there was some experimentation with like Snort and different, and then I think you found a few different types of IDSs that you ended up, you know, kind of, kind of going with, if I remember. But uh, mm, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, so, so the kind of the moral story, you know, lesson learned there is um, the pursuit of actually setting up the lab and kind of, you know getting a chance to see actual internet traffic coming in and, you know, hitting an endpoint allowed you to see the types of security alerts, uh, you know, that you might have to investigate, you know, in that future role. And then getting it all, you know, integrated into Splunk gave you actually some hands-on experience with a, uh, a very common SIM that a lot of organizations use. So then, you know, in that interview, you were able to then really speak to um, yeah, I may not have had a position in the past doing this, but, you know, I set it up myself in the lab and it really shows a manager, the initiative of the type of person they're about to hire, that if this person's willing to kind of do all this, you know, in their home environment, imagine what they would do, you know, if I was able to give them, you know, additional training or, um, 
you know, just exposure on the job training with our team, right? So um, it really, in my opinion, set yourself, set yourself up for success compared to other job candidates, right? So um, how did that work out in that first job interview? Did you actually find that they were, um, you know, appreciative and, um, you know, took that into account? Yes, sir. So uh, the bottom half of my strategy, right, 50% technicality. So what I did in that one right there is before they start asking me about um, interviewing questions, like technical questions, I started talking about the different projects I have completed. And Barney Style explained what that project and how long it took me to to make it work out and everything despite of having no IT or cybersecurity background. I don't know if that answered the Absolutely, question. yeah, yeah. Um, I was thinking about, you know, the, um, the, the job, the career path in the military, right? Um, you know, if you, if you spent 20 years in the military and became a Sergeant Major, right? Like an E9, uh, you might be able to earn somewhere between 77 to $90,000 per year, right? Um, is it safe to say you've eclipsed that in the short amount of time you've been in the civilian world? I guess the, the question is, um, have you found, you know, that your financial goals are, are being met um, through this new career path? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Especially uh, in terms of supply and demand. Um, the cybersecurity realm is still pursuing and looking for a plethora of analysts, right? And therefore, it's uh, I'm really blessed. Yeah, I think I'm receiving way more than what I thought I'm supposed to be making. <laughs> that's great. No, that's that's important, right? So people that are thinking about getting into this um, can know it is possible to, uh, you know. Um, do well, right, financially. So that's pretty important. Explain, uh, Mishak, if you would, a little bit about the position you're in now. Uh, what, is, what is a day-to-day, like what is the title and then what is your, your kind of day-to-day activities uh, today? Um, the job title itself is cybersecurity analyst. However, um, again, cybersecurity job titles in cybersecurity can can vary on the company that you're working for, right? That specific job title it depends on the needs of the company, right? So, but what I'm doing right now it's more of an incident response, and I do have all the tools for both SOC, cybersecurity analyst and incident responder. And day-to-day, it's something different. Every day is something different, which is fun. It's, it's kind of like you're just solving puzzles every single day. Did you find that your SOC analyst experience helped prepare you for the role in incident response? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, because of my first job, it helped me correlate or 
look for the similarities and difference of both companies, right? In terms of cybersecurity architecture, um, process, compliance. And uh, because of my first two years in my first job, it gave me more, I, I can be more creative on the job role I have right now. Got it, okay. And if somebody's not familiar with incident response, um, describe if you would just a, an example um, event. Multiple login failure attempts, right? Let's uh, let's use as, let's use as, let's use that as an example. Um, we're gonna be I'll be performing the initial investigation for it, checking if that specific IP address is part of the internal IP address, or is it coming from external IP address, right? If you're in a team, right, and I think it's important for some people to know that if you get stuck, um, what's your advice on going to a team member versus your boss versus research outside? Like how long should you really be researching something before you stop and actually ask a team member? Is, is any of that, have you ever found any of that formally documented in a procedure or um, is there a best practice that you've kind of found like, yeah, I might spend, I might research for 30 minutes, but then I'll escalate to a team member, ask team for help. And is it, is it taboo to go to a team member if you haven't like Googled, <laughs> you know, the issue first, right? Yes, uh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I think uh, for myself, like what I do is I do my due diligence in performing research and trying to understand my, to understand the problem itself. And um, I think that's a pretty good advice to everybody to be performing the research first before reaching out. It really depends on the criticality of the event, right? If it's a low critical, I kind of like, I try to figure it out, like without um, asking, um, another, asking another team member. But if it's a high critical, I, I research things in order for me to properly communicate with that specific team member. Got it. Okay. Yeah. The reason I ask is, um, you know, I'm, I've been a IT manager, IT director in the past and, you know, the, uh, the concern I would have sometimes would be someone spending say a day researching something when a team member might have the answer. I'm a kind of person where if it's high critical and it needs to get done in the next 30 minutes, I'm gonna go reach out really quick. Right. However, if it's low critical, and that's when I kind of like take my time researching stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Really yeah, so I, I think that's that's really important. Wouldn't you agree that a, if it is a critical event, not not to hold on to that, you know, issue for too long before you escalate and get some someone's help. Um, it, it seems like attackers are able to traverse networks, uh, you know, an entire network in, in hours, whereas it used to be days before. Um, so the, the horizon that we have to respond to an incident is getting shorter and shorter, right? So, um, you know, I think it's, it's definitely critical to know when to take advantage of your team, right?
let me let me switch uh, gears a little bit. Let's talk about what's next for you, Mishak. Uh, what kind of goals do you have for future? Um, say, where do you want to be in five years? Um, until now, Mr. Stalker, I'm still in constant looking for that specific path because I do want to become digital forensic analyst one day, or maybe threat intel, or even penetration tester, right? So it kind of like boils down on what am I enjoying the most? So for now, I'm more leaning towards digital forensics. How, how would you um, explain digital forensics to someone who's not familiar with that? Um, is it a is it a subcomponent, like a specialization inside of incident response, or is it a, a discipline that incident response, you know, itself falls into? How, how would you kind of describe and, you know, compare it to your current position? It's more of a specialty, right? It's more of a, it's more of a spe um, specialty underneath, underneath incident response, right? Um, as an incident responder, I'm gonna have a specific job scope, job role in order to perform. And usually digital forensics is kind of like a sub job for incident response. So in terms of high critical incidents, that specific case gets transferred or allocated to that specific incident responder slash digital forensics. So it's more of a specialty. Gotcha. That makes sense. And, and uh, it sounds like you've got a lot of potential options right in the future. You mentioned a few different kind of roles. And I think it's important for someone getting into cybersecurity to understand that there's such a wide variety of disciplines within cybersecurity. Um, and it, it's probably very difficult, I would imagine, to, to master all of it, right? You know, there was, there, was one, there was one conversation we had once about how important it is to surround yourself with people that encourage you and inspire you to achieve your goals, right? And, you know, picking friends, picking mentors, really picking the people that you surround yourself with. And, it, and how it's sometimes equally just as important to distance yourself from those that that tell you that you can't achieve something, you know, people that drag you down are even toxic, right? So on the one hand, it's important to really surround yourself with with people that are like-minded that are going places, right? And then it's it's equally important to to really, you know, reduce the amount of time that you're <laughs> that you're with people that that really bring you down right has that been true in your life or do you have any do you have any tips or advice when it when it comes to that no yes so i'm a firm believer of i am who i who i surround myself with right if i surround myself with really motivating passionate people it's going to drive me to become more passionate and motivated versus surrounding myself with really toxic people, right? I'd love to, I, you know, if you're willing to share, I'd love for everyone to kind of get to know your story a little bit. 
let's see, uh, my family and myself, we migrated from the Philippines when I was 13, ended up at Los Angeles for maybe a year or two and moved at Fresno, California, Central California for the remainder of my high school. So pretty much I grew up at Central California and a typical Filipino family, your parents would want you to become a nurse, right? So that's kind of like the plan they got for me. And they decided after high school, they're influencing me or persuading me on either going to college to get my LVN license and then registered nurse license after that, or join the Air Force uh, as a medic. But <laughs> I kind of end up at the Marine Corps. So, tell, yeah, tell us how did that happen? How did they how did they receive that when you came home? And uh, you know, tell us that story. That's that's a good one. Yeah. So pretty much the Air Force recruiter forgot about me. Um, I'm su I'm supposed to go to MEPS with an Air Force recruiter. However, nobody's at the office, and one of my close best friend. He's, uh, he's already signed up. He's already signed up for the Marine Corps, going to boot camp soon. And he decided to call the Marine recruiter. And he said that, hey, my friend's outside right now. Maybe you want to talk to him. So I was talking to the Marine recruiter. And after talking, for, talking to him for like three, four hours, that's when I decided, you know what? I don't want to join the Air Force anymore. I'm, I'm going to join the Marine Corps. And then, what was what was it what was it that they said that that convinced you to be a, a marine instead of going into the air force? Do you remember? Um, in the recruiting world, it's uh they're really good. They're really good, especially being young. They're they're trained to recruit people, right? But the the major thing that I really caught my my attention is the camaraderie. Camaraderie. So they have this program into where once a week you do physical you do physical training with other possible recruits. Well, we call them pulleys, right? And after going to one session of that physical training, it just caught my attention having that camaraderie, teamwork, so forth, so on. That kind of motivated me in like. Change, change my path from the Air Force to the Marine Corps. Got it. So the, the culture right away. And and that never changes, right? I mean, once a Marine, always a Marine. I'm, I'm, I, I hear that if you meet a, another Marine, it's just instant, instant brotherhood, right? To this day. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, every time I go to the gym nowadays, I, I can already tell which one are the guys. <laughs> That's cool. It seems like things have gotten so much worse. Even I'm sure you've seen the uptick even since you got in, right? So um, what remind me again, how what year did you officially get your first cybersecurity position? So how how much time in total have you been in cybersecurity? Um in total, I got in at my first job on November 28th, 2018. 2018. Gosh, wow. So coming up almost three years. 
And in the three years, describe just the massive uptick in threats, vulnerabilities, hacker activity. I mean, from where you sit on the front lines, is it just insane the amount of just increased activity that that you're seeing on the front lines? Um, yes, no, absolutely. Especially uh, once once I'm part of cybersecurity, that's when I started realizing those type of metrics, right? The how do you say it? Like ginormous increase of APTs, right? And nation state hackers getting funded, and I find it fascinating. Right, right. I find it fascinating. So, Mishak, you've had a lot of certifications. You've you've studied. Um, you know, you've you've really been blessed to be able to be exposed to, to quite a bit. What do you think are the minimum security certifications that someone should achieve if they want to get into that first SOC role? And then within their first 12 months, what additional certifications should they be pursuing to kind of, you know, level up if they want to take their career to the next level in cybersecurity? So for initial for for veterans since uh how i see it is veterans veteran community do have a good chances or probability on landing a cybersecurity job for just with a secret clearance and the security plus right however for non-veterans security plus i i I would if i can go back in time or if i would um, suggest a person trying to break into cybersecurity, the very first certification I would tell them is to grab their security plus because you wouldn't pass security plus without skimming or studying A plus, which is hardware and software, and then net plus. And then which which certifications would you, you know, especially looking back and everything you've done, what which certifications would you recommend? after someone landed that first job, uh, what what sort of certs would you recommend for someone that wanted to follow your footsteps and get into incident response? What do you think has helped you the most to prepare you for that? The company is gonna be paying for some sort of an education and certification. I would take advantage over going on SANS courses. Got it. I, see, I've, I saw a recent uh, tweet from someone on Twitter that the average SANS course now is like $8,000. So they're definitely not cheap. But if, yeah, if you're fortunate enough for your employer to pay for that, that might actually be something that job candidates can ask their employers. Hey, uh, if I were to work for you, would you pay for a SANS course, right? That's uh, that's probably not a bad idea. Um, Which specific SANS certification would you recommend those following certification security plus and cybersecurity analyst plus and pen test plus kind of like prepared me for gcih g and uh, sans course um, gx certification got and, it okay yeah. so that's what you'd recommend for someone that's maybe in that sock role now that's that's thinking about leveling up yes sir because uh I liked how SANS do it, like all their courses. And I can, I think that the value of their courses equates on the materials and how they teach. 
Okay. Just because of they straight up Barney style everything. So the candidate or the student will understand it, right? Got but it. In terms of leveling up, yeah, I think uh, GCIH is a really good certification course to hop into. Do you have your eyes on any, uh, you mentioned digital forensics. Do, do you have your eyes on any particular SANS course next? If if money was no object, uh, which certification would you be trying to pursue next? CGX Certified Forensic Analyst. So that's what I'm kind of looking into right now. Got it. Okay, cool. Excellent. Um, well, this has been a really really cool conversation Mishak. you've accomplished so much in, in such a short amount of time i mean i know folks that have been in it for a decade and uh dream of getting you know to a position like what you've been able to achieve but i i honestly don't know if i've met a harder working person um and i really think this is evidence that you know you reap what you sow if you if you put the time in, the hard work in, you know, it will pay off. And that really, I think that's happened for you. I mean, no one handed anything to you. Um, you, you put the sweat in, you put the time in. Um, and uh, man, congratulations on, you know, what you've been able to achieve. It's, it's been really cool, you know, getting, getting to be part of your journey and, uh, and, Yes, sir. Uh, Mr. Stalker, I wouldn't be in this place right now without your guidance. And until now, I'm very blessed and very grateful. Well, thanks again for coming on the show and I hope you have a nice rest of your evening. Thanks for spending the time with us.